principal dancer with Alonzo King Lines Ballet, Aji Sissoko's long limbs, musicality, and joyful soul are a natural fit for Alonzo's choreographic process. As a young dancer, she developed a love for classical ballet and first danced with the National Ballet of Canada. The routine of practice strengthens her dedication to dance, keeps her centered, and brings delight to her work. I have something in me that really enjoys the disciplinary aspect of ballet or of dance and how you come to work every day and how you start at the bar every day. It doesn't make me feel bored. It actually excites me that there is this ritual that I have. You're listening to Moving Moments, the podcast that explores the dance world's most accomplished and groundbreaking artists. I'm your host, Alicia Graf Mack, Dean and Director of Dance at the Juilliard School. During each episode, you'll hear me talk with some of my closest friends and most trusted colleagues as we sit down to hear about their creative process and how they are changing the dance world on and off the stage. Aji, I remember the first time I saw you, which was on the cover of Point Magazine in 2011. Seems like such a long time ago. Oh my gosh, yeah. But I remember seeing your picture and thinking, who is this woman? The ballet world is so small. And then the black ballet world is even smaller. So the fact that I didn't know who you were was so um, surprising. And the cover was so vibrant. You were able to capture your joy, your personality in that one photo. How did you feel when you saw it for the first time with you as the cover model? Wow, like that seems like such a long time ago. But also, I do remember how proud I was of myself just because I had never envisioned that for myself. I hadn't been able to predict that for myself coming from Germany. And all of a sudden, I'm on the cover of Point magazine in the States. And it felt like a big deal. And I do remember that pose because during the shoot, I had just done that for fun. I was like, what about that? And I was kind of like laughing about it. And they're like, yeah, that's it. Like they really liked it. And I didn't know which of the pictures they were going to choose. But then I was happy in a way that they went with this one. Because as you said, it felt like it was representing my fun side and my joyful side. And I love to dance. And I think it doesn't always need to be so serious. Mm I love that. I often talk about how important joy is to being a dancer. And now I'm raising two young kids who love to move. And I try to remind myself to tap into that sort of innocent want or just need to move or to hear music and to to move your body. Yeah. I think that's like when it comes out the most natural too, because often with training, I think that we forget to find that joy because we're so focused on the seriousness of it and the discipline, which is all very valid. But I think the people that can hold on to that joy, that combination is going to be what makes it in Mm -hmm. the end. Yeah. I know you grew up in Munich, Germany. Your mom is German and your dad is Senegalese. How have these cultures influenced your life? specifically your dance career? Yeah, obviously, I never really thought much about it when I was younger, how 
they both influenced me in such different ways. But especially now being older and looking back, I can see, like I always say, oh, that's my German side. That's my discipline side. So I have something in me that really enjoys the disciplinary aspect of ballet or of dance and how you come to work every day and how you start at the bar every day. It doesn't make me feel bored. It actually excites me that there is this ritual that I have and that there's this work to be done every single day and almost that knowledge that I will never reach it. There's not going to be a moment where I'm like, okay, cool. I got it. I got there and now I'm done. It's always going to be work, work, work. But there's a part of me that really likes that. And then, and this is what I call my Senegalese part, is the joy and passion for music and movement in general. Mm -hmm. When you go to Senegal, everybody, young, old, female, male, it doesn't matter, everybody moves. As soon as they hear music, it's just time to get up and move. And it doesn't matter how you move or what you're feeling that moment. It's just, it's it's a way of expressing themselves. And I think that side in me is very strong as well. So that's what keeps me um, going and keeps my joy up. Yeah. I love that. This idea that everyone moves, I think, is something that is very culturally based. I wonder, Aji, when you were training, could you talk about how you trained, how you came to know and love ballet? And what was the moment that made the magic for you when you knew you wanted to pursue a life in ballet and dance? Yeah, my way of getting into ballet was actually through going to a school doctor in Munich before you start elementary school. You just go see a doctor, make sure you're ready for school, do some simple coordination tests. And I kind of failed at that one. I had to draw a snake and say something at the same time. And I wasn't very good at that. So the doctor advised my parents to put me into some kind of dance because it helps with coordination and spatial awareness. And he said, I'm ready for school, but it would just improve that aspect that I was kind of struggling in the test. And so my parents were like, well, that's easy. She loves to dance anyways. I was already showing interest. And so I was six and a half at that point. So they um, enrolled me in like once a week ballet class, very playful. I remember we did things like going across the diagonal and pretend you're an animal. And so from the first day on, my ballet teacher told my mom afterwards, oh, have you ever thought of having your um, child do this professionally? She's very talented. And my mom was like, oh, no, 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 we're not interested in that. We don't want to push her in any kind of way. She's just doing this for fun. And it took like almost half a year of this teacher repeatedly telling my parents to really have me enroll into the Ballet Academy Munich, who is specializing in just focusing on very talented people. And it's free and you have tradition for it. So eventually my parents gave in and they said, okay, sure, we let her audition. And so I did audition. I remember getting there. My mom didn't know how to do a bun. I didn't have the right clothes. It was kind of a mess. But I did have a number and I did what they told me. I think they 
they did some stretching exercises, which were super easy for me because I was just always flexible. So like they did, oh, do a split. I did a split. But it was more like the strength part where I was always struggling. But we get to that later, probably. <laughs> so I, I did get accepted into the Munich Ballet School, but it was connected to the Academy of Music and Arts. So I got accepted. And once you're in, it's free, but there are exams twice a year. So all the teachers and directors watch and make sure you're still talented enough and have what it takes. And so every year there's an elimination process, but I kept proceeding and I kept enjoying myself. I think the last two years are part of university. You don't go to university, but it's in order to get a diploma. You have to really commit and say, this is what I want to do and I want to do it all day long. And so I think at that point was really for me to decide, is this my dream? Is this what I really, truly want to pursue? So I decided to commit and I think we had courses from nine to five, but I also didn't fully just want to give up school, which was separate. And so I went to evening school with a lot of older, like over 30 year old people that want to still get their degree later on. So I kind of did both like dancing all day and then doing school in the evening. And I ended up graduating and all of that. So, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I know how much dedication it takes to train at the level that you're speaking of when you were in school and putting your body through its paces, what were the challenges that you faced and what were the things that made you realize, I have to keep going, I have to do this? I think for me, what I loved most about all the classes that I did, because we had from character, contemporary, ballet, all the different kinds, it was the music. So. I know it's so simple. It's piano music most of the time, right? But I loved it. I loved that we had a live pianist and that there was sound guiding me. So even when I was younger, that was really important for me. And then what I was struggling with was mostly control and strength. I was a very skinny little kid, so I had to build a lot of muscles and I was always really flexible, but I had no way of holding any kind of extensions. I always tell people the teachers would get so excited about how flexible I was. They would put my leg up and be like, oh, look here, this is where it could be. And I would be like, yes. And as soon as they let go, my leg drops right down. <laughs> so it took a lot of um, work I wonder in terms of building muscle, were there any programs for you at the time, like physical therapy or strength training? No, not at all. And I think even at the time I wasn't aware that's what I needed. I was, you just keep working and suddenly you're like, wow, I guess I got stronger because now I can hold my leg there. It's just the hard work that we did. It was like very strict Russian Baganova training. My school was very Russian in that way. And so it was just time. It took time. So for me, it was also being patient. Mm. I wonder then what brought you to the United States from your time in Germany? Yeah. So my director, Constanze Vernon, she always had this vision for me. And she told me often, I somehow see you in the States. I see you in New York. And so she had that dream. And Honestly, I didn't have a specific dream. I didn't have a specific dream company. I just enjoyed what I was doing and was like, oh, I'll see where it takes me. 
And so she had originally wanted me to do the Prix de Lausanne. So we applied like last minute. I think it was all very rushed. And so I competed in that competition. And that kind of gave me that first exposure to just even just different companies and different directors. I remember Karen Kane was there from the National Ballet of Canada. And then... After that, because I didn't get anything from that competition. So she's like, I would love for you to do the summer intensive at SAB. And I said, sure. Um, so I applied and I got a scholarship for that. So that was my first time in New York. Mm -hmm. I came and I was, I think I was 17 and I loved it. I remember it being very, very hard and overwhelming. I had never done anything Balanchine. I was just like, oh, wait, we're moving that fast. And oh, we're wearing pointers from the bar on. So it was a lot of changes for me, but really good to kind of throw me in a new world and be like, oh, this is also out here. And all these tall people, first of all, too. So that was really fun. And that got me to also take class with ABT because they also had their summer program from the school. And I knew ABT. And I was like, oh, if I'm in New York, I should take a class with them. And I had only time for a bar. But when I got back home to Munich after my summer at SAB was over, my director said, oh, we got a notification from ABT and they would like to invite you to their school full year program on scholarship. Is that something you want to do? You kind of have to decide within these next weeks. And I was like, oh, what? I have to decide if I want to move to New York next month. <laughs> and so, of course, I wanted to. I fell in love immediately with New York when I came here. But there were a lot of other things that had to be figured out because just because you have a scholarship doesn't mean everything is paid for. You still have to eat, you have to sleep somewhere. And so my parents, they didn't have the money to support me. And so my grandparents stepped up and said, we want to support you, we'll help you. And my director as well. So they both paid for me okay. for this opportunity to, you know, happen. And so that's how I got here. <laughs> I'm so curious to know because you mentioned your height and I think that we are very similar of different generations, but very similar in our stature and facility. And I wonder how did height and also race play in your journey to becoming a professional dancer? I think that's the reason why my director was like, I see you in New York. She didn't say, oh, because you're so tall and you're black, but it was more like, this is her vision, but her vision happened for a reason. Because even when I first arrived in New York, I texted my dad and I said, oh, I've never seen that many black people around here. <laughs> I just, that's, I was the only black girl in my school. I was the tallest. I, I was so used to being the tallest. And I think that back when I started auditioning, a lot of companies in Europe still had these height requirements where I was simply too tall. So there was not even a point of me sending my resume because I didn't fit the height requirement. So it was simple as that, that they thought I had more chances abroad. And then once I was abroad, a lot of people thought I didn't have chances here either because of my color and my um, height. And also because I'm not American, they said, oh, that complicates everything with the visa. So I did get all these mixed <laughs> ideas. But in the end, I remember I would talk to my family and my parents were always the ones that they supported me, but they weren't the ones 
all for it. They were always like, are you sure? But when it came to the audition process and me having these people telling me all these different things of why I could not succeed, they were always like, this is your dream. This is what you've been working for. Just see. And my dad, very African, uh, was like, oh, it's going to happen because you're a Sisoko. And if you really dream of that being your goal, then it's going to happen. So I just went with that and tried. And yeah, it worked out just fine. <laughs> it has to be that. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have that dream. It's so important to any dancer, but certainly to one that stands out so beautifully amongst the rest, for sure. Thanks. I, I want to talk a little bit about your time with National Valley of Canada and how um, you felt being in that company. When I was with JKO, it was just a one year and it was also my audition year. So I basically just all the auditions in New York was the perfect place to be. But I remember my mom saying, oh, what about Canada? What about Toronto? I heard it's so multicultural. Do they have a company? And I literally said, I think so. <laughs> and I, I, I had heard of the National Valley of Canada, but I actually didn't know much about it. So that's when I really started researching. And I realized the connection of having met Karen Kane at the Prix de Lausanne like two years earlier. So I um, asked for an audition and I got a private audition with the apprentice program. So I figured that's what I should audition for. And I flew there and auditioned. And then she told me, you know what, actually, I would want to give you a job for the company, for the corps de ballet. I said, great, even better. And when you then, you know, arrived on the stage, the first time you had a performance as a professional dancer, what did that feel like? We did serenade of all things. So oh, it was magical. Man. And I remember being like, oh, now I understand. I felt like my hard work was paying off in a way of like, wow, now I can actually perform on stage on a regular basis and be with others and feel that strength and support and love and joy. Like I felt all these things. So that was magical for sure. Outstanding. And so working with such a, a renowned company and doing incredible repertory, what made you then want to think about moving on to another company? Joining National Bear of Canada, I always had a really good relationship with Karen Kane. I felt like she was looking out for me, like she always was making sure I'm okay. And she gave me a lot of opportunities of learning bigger roles early on, which was super exciting. But then once I got to do those, I got a taste for like, oh, this is what I want to do all the time. So I remember once I performed Chroma or Lilac Fairy, those were the roles or even Elite Syncopations. Like I was like, this is when I'm not trying to be like everyone else. This is when I feel my happiest and I feel like I perform my best. So that was really a realization because your first years, you are in the core, you work on being in line, very important information and spoke to my German side that like, oh, on count three, we moved the head slightly to the right, like all these little details, which I found enjoyable. But then the longer I did it, and once I got that taste of, oh, I'm the only one on stage. So if I am on count seven, I hit a balance that's longer than I am allowed to come down on count eight, right? So like little things like this, that kind of sense of freedom in a way got me excited to do more of that. But after talking to her, she also mentioned the fact that she didn't see me in a lot of roles. So 
she mentioned something in our talk. She's like, I really wish there was somebody that would just choreograph on you, like use all the talent that you have because I see it, but I feel like I'm not even using it. And I said, well, yeah, that would be great. And she loves Alonzo King. So she's like, well, what about Alonzo King? And I knew about Alonzo King Lions Ballet because when I was um, training at JKO, Lions had come to New York. They were rehearsing and preparing for a show here. Then I was um, invited to just spend the day with them almost as an audition. And I was 18. I was like coming in my leotard and pink tights and they were going deep, like going really extremely deep. He was creating new work, which now looking back at it, I'm just laughing because I wasn't ready for that at all. He had us improv. He had us learn his work really fast. So I was just completely overwhelmed. I did my best. It was like all day long, like until like 5 p.m. at night. And I remember being exhausted mentally and physically, but also thinking to myself, hell no, just to be honest. I remember talking to the ballet master at the time, Arturo. He said, you have so much potential for lines specifically, but maybe come for the summer so that Alonso can really work with you and you can understand the way we work. And so we kind of left it at that. But when Karen brought that up again, I was like, yeah, actually, I feel like now I'm so much more ready for that kind of work. And so being ready for change was what was needed to be ready for Alonzo King, I think, because mm -hmm. as soon as I reached out and auditioned, I got hired on the spot. That is an incredible story for so many reasons. <laughs> First, because I think it's really rare to find a director who sees you and wants the best for you and is honest to say, I think that you're incredible, but I don't see you in some of these opportunities. That is very rare and very special. Yeah. Because then it can allow you to start to think about other possibilities too. Yeah. I also heard what you said about getting the taste of that freedom on stage where you can start to be an interpreter and a performer. And I wonder if that was the universe's way of planting the seed for what was to come with Alonzo. Yeah, because that like sense of freedom was really so tiny and I didn't even realize. I thought this was like such a big thing that I had some little choices there. But the amount of choices there really are, I didn't realize that until I joined Lines and I do remember my first few weeks were so, so tough because it is a big change coming from a big company, first of all, of 70 dancers to like a smaller company with only 12 dancers. And all of a sudden, Alonso asked me to personalize things. I remember struggling with that idea because I just was so used to somebody telling me how my head is supposed to be, how my finger is supposed to be, which angle I'm staying, what timing I'm doing. And suddenly I was asked to do all of that different and make choices within that. So it's almost a little bit too overwhelming. But once you get used to that, you realize how much freedom that brings you and how enjoyable that is, that you can be like, huh, what do I want to say? what phrasing makes sense to me or what possibility can I play with today? So it's like all of a sudden the world just opens up to you and you have all these choices and that makes you grow like at triple the speed kind of. <laughs> Absolutely. I am so happy for you that you've had such wonderful experiences in so many realms of dance. 
I want to talk about Alonzo quickly because so many of us consider him a guru. He is not only this incredible choreographer, he is a philosopher. And he can be quite intimidating because you have to bring all of your intellect, all of your spiritual self, all of your technical self, and yourself as a creator to the space every day. How do you prepare for the day? How do you prepare your body and your mind for a day in process at lines? Yeah, I learned very fast that it wasn't enough to just prepare your body. So I learned that it is really that combination of being like mentally present and that openness and the trust. Because he will have some ideas where you might think, oh, now you're crazy. I couldn't possibly, I couldn't possibly do that. But that mindset kind of holds you back. And if you come in and you're just like, I'm ready for anything. I'm open. Let's try. Right. Then you surprise yourself and you're like, wow, I had no idea. So I think it's really that openness and trust in the choreographer. Absolutely. In a recent interview, Alonzo King stated that he believes that attaining mastery involves internal work. In addition to intense physical exertions, dancers dance who they are. Oh, I love that. Yeah. What does that statement mean to you? I mean, it means exactly what we do on a daily basis, to be honest. Alonso, I I know people say he's such a guru and, you know, he really truly is wise to me. Like my mom asked me about my first day when I joined and I said, oh, he's really wise. <laughs> he talks to us and he sends us really long emails that are like poems and he still does. And that's beautiful because he actually cares and he shares and he's truly interested in getting to know each of us. And by him being interested, we are interested in ourselves as well, right? So all the work you do on a daily basis on yourself as a human, that's what's going to show on stage. You think about the name of the company, Lines Ballet. And because of your length and on point, your lines go on forever. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of them just thought, this creature, I call you a dance creature, but this creature is just incredible. Did it empower you to be able to step into a company where some of the things that seemingly were obstacles in one arena were then honored in another? Yeah, I mean, and it's exactly those things that, you know, people were making me doubt myself for that then actually helped me become who I am today. Because sticking out was almost something bad. Whereas now sticking out is like, I'm proud of who I am. Like, I want to stick out. I want to be very different from the person next to me. So kind of playing with that, wow, I really am so tall right now and I love it. And I can expand my legs and arms to like their full range. And I still, to this day, when we do, for example, even Grand Allegro, I challenge the person next to me who is going to travel further because it's fun. Like it's actually fun to push yourself to the extremes and use what you have. And so definitely being alongside these tall, beautiful creatures has inspired me to own that myself. And the same 
is also with just like, I used to permanently straighten my hair. I used to never wear it out. Never. I just was like secretly not embracing my curls. And within one year, you only saw my hair down. And I had somebody just cut it on the tour bus because we were so excited about my hair. And suddenly I started embracing all of me. It takes a certain environment where you feel safe and accepted and where you can see people like you. We don't often make a connection between non-Western dance forms and classical ballet. Where have you seen those worlds collide? I think that it's all the same. <laughs> people always ask me about, oh, what style of dance do you like? And to be honest, in the end, it all comes down to like, when you asked me earlier, why do I like to dance? It's that connection of music and movement. And it took me until I joined Lines to realize what dance really is. If I look at my family in Senegal dancing to some people just for fun, getting together, playing the drums and the chora, that's the same that I basically do when I improv or when Alonso sets work. Like the deeper you look, you see how it's circular. You see how it has sharpness. You see how it communicates, how it plays with rhythm, how it goes with the music against the music. So there's so many little elements. We are trying to express something. And I think that's how I am also with my choreography. I'm not somebody that actually goes in the studio by myself for a really long time and sets all the steps completely in order and then teach it to somebody. But I need to feel, first of all, the person I'm working with, I want to feel their energy. It's just like connecting with the movement on a deeper level. Oh, that spoke to me. I don't know why. It doesn't matter. You don't have to know. It just spoke to you because it is going back to the deepest understanding of communicating and moving with music. Beautifully, beautifully stated. What makes the magic? Those moments that just take the audience's breath away and maybe even those moments where you're completely out of body. I think my most magical moments on stage have been when my brain was absent. And it doesn't mean you're not there. It just means that the inner side of you completely takes over and you really trust in yourself. And yeah, even to this day, it's really hard to just always tap into that. But you learn how to how to access that. But there will still be those few performances where you go further than before. And it's like, wow, it's <laughs> amazing. I love that. Yeah, I would just love to know, what do you want your legacy to be? I dance because I'm passionate about it, but it makes me feel so fulfilled when it inspires somebody to take action in any kind of way or discover something new about themselves. Doesn't mean they have to start dancing, but just spark a thought or spark something in them. That's all I need or want. Well, you're already then fulfilling <laughs> your legacy because all the things that you mentioned, you do. Thank you so much for sitting with me today. It's just been a pleasure to have this moment with you. Oh, yay. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure for me too. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of Moving Moments. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends about it. Spread the word. Be sure to follow the show, rate us, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. To keep up with future episodes, follow us on Instagram at Moving Moments Podcast and visit us at artfulnarrativesmedia.com. Tune in next week as we hear another inspiring artist's moving moments.